From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. Today we continue our series of In Her Boots podcasts featuring women landowners passionate about conservation. We're excited today to connect with Patty Shevers, who returned to her family farm to steward the land for future generations. Patty is the fourth generation of Shevers Farm in Oneida outside Green Bay, Wisconsin, with the property being in her family since 1914, and the original 113 acres are still intact. Patty is leading a variety of conservation initiatives on the land in partnership with NRCS as well as operating a glamping tent campground on her parcel. We are back for another of our In Her Boots podcasts, focusing on inspiring women who are doing conservation practices on their land and really stewarding things for future generations. And we have a great guest talking about stewarding for future generations this time. Thank you very much, Patty Shevers, for joining us and sharing your story about your farm that has been in, I know, in your family for generations. And tell us a little bit about your farm story, where how you grew up and how you you left and you came back in a nutshell, right? Yeah. So I was raised on this farm. Um, I grew up on this farm in Oneida. It's, I'm the fourth generation here. And we had dairy cows growing up. And then my dad switched to beef and grain operation when I was about 11 years old. And we had that until his demise. He passed away on the farm here in 97. So from that point on, my mom managed the land and she had a full-time career as a nursing instructor. And my sister and I at that point in time weren't exactly interested in doing anything on the farm, but we didn't want it to go anywhere. So she began renting it um, to a local farmer and he's been renting the land from us for 22 years. I returned home in May of 2018 permanently and wanted to figure out a way that I could live here and have the land pay for itself, but also have it become more of the playground I remember it being as a child. So since it's been in commercial renting, we haven't really been able to utilize the 100 acres. It's kind of always been off limits, and I didn't really care for the amount of chemicals being put on the property. So I started looking down um, ways to incorporate things and how to further my own education and kind of change gears. So I enrolled at NWTC, the local technical college in the sustainable agriculture program and figured out that that would be a good way for me to research and also get some education on what to do with this family farm that, you know, we all love so much, but just None of us, it was kind of all out of our wheelhouse at this stage. So um, fast forward, and um, it was the best thing that I ever did going back to school because I 
got a chance to network with some really amazing people through the community college, but also through the NRCS, um, which is the USDA branch of conservation that's local here. Um, I did a lot of farm tours and with my mom as well. We both went on a lot of farm tours and just wanted to find out what people were doing with their, their farms if they weren't doing like con- conventional farming or cropping. And um, we found some really wonderful things and we looked at a couple different viable options. Um, raising sheep was one of them. And then, you know, doing more of the conservation practices, which was the initial thing that we were keen on. And then it, we, we returned back to that after we took the detour with the sheep because it was just way too much going on with management that none of us really wanted as our lifestyle. Um, so yeah, now we're back here. Um, for, for as of today, um, we've got the fifth generation on the farm now. My son was born um, three weeks ago, and we're trying to create a place that he can inherit and manage along with my nephew, who's three years old, and they can be proud to have this farm in their name. And you know, with through the conservation practices that we've looked into and researched and had, you know, NRCS help us with, we think that it's going to be a really beautiful family acreage, but also something that they're going to be happy to manage and keep within the family long-term. So a way to, to just have this land continue on through the next generations, because I think that that would ultimately make everyone in my family happy, including myself and my sister, but also, you know, my dad that passed away and my grandparents and great grandparents who worked so hard to have this land. That's an amazing story. Thank you. The And your because your farm has really had a lot of female leadership over the years too, right? Your mom really took charge and now you and your family. And what do you think draws women to conservation in particular? What do you think drives this desire to care for the land. Yeah, that's kind of my my story in a nutshell. My first career had nothing to do with farming. It was the farthest way of, away from this as possible. I was in the hair industry for 15 years and I traveled internationally. So I got a taste of a lot of travel um, and education, but this is something that's I'm definitely passionate about and I'm really happy that I've returned to because I feel like now as a 37 year old woman, I'm actually like more rooted in what my values and morals would have been as the year old self that loved living here as well. So it's been a really beautiful transition. That's great. Um, and can you talk a little bit more, Patty, about the, the fact that you went back to school? Because that's really an, an interesting idea that I don't think we think about enough to have both some time and space, but also resources? Well, I'm definitely, I've always been a person that I like to get formal education on things that I'm really curious about. I, I read a lot and I do a lot of research, like self-research. But once I find something that I'm keen on, I definitely fall down the rabbit hole. So when I started researching things, I was like, well, maybe more of a formal education is what I would truly need and just someone to guide me because there's so much information when I started researching like farming and what to do and this and that. And I just didn't really know where to start. So I thought if I went back to school, I would have a group of people that could help lead me. And that's exactly what happened. I had a lot of really amazing instructors at NWTC 
Um, in particular, the, stain, the sustainable agriculture instructor, Valerie Dantuan, she was immensely helpful um, in helping me stay focused and decide that I really needed to pursue a full education instead of just a certificate in the sustainable ag program. She kind of had some coming to Jesus moments with me, which were definitely needed because I wanted to have a lot of things and do a lot of things. And she kind of helped me stay the course. But yeah, I, I just thought that a formal education would be more beneficial for me than just reading or researching and listening to podcasts and having a little bit more of a um, organic approach to it. I really wanted something more structured. So, and that's just my personality. Yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big Val Danton fangirl too. She's, she's great with helping folks see the possibilities and the opportunities there. And so going on the conservation note of once you started having the, the research and the vision what were some of your first steps that you took? Did you contact your NRCS officer? What were sort of the what would be your advice for somebody starting out in these things? The very first touch point with the NRCS and Sarah and Moses was through a lecture at NWTC, and the Sarah women were there um, talking about different grants and funding, and I had never even heard of it, and it blew my mind. Like just the content that they had provided and the information they gave everyone. And then this woman that randomly I knew through my work was there presenting and she turned out to be our NRCS agent. And she's actually like a really wonderful friend of mine, a very close friend now. So it was just kind of a weird kismet thing that happened. And I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. And my mom was there with me and we started just attending like their farm days and their field days and different pollinator walks and different opportunities that anyone affiliated with the NRCS locally was either putting on. And we just literally mentioned to them that we were interested in a lot of these things and didn't really know what we wanted to do at the farm, but we wanted to do something. And they just started emailing us all of these invitations to things. And we just literally went to all of them. So we were all over the region um, going to these farm days and field days. And all, all the while I was, you know, going to school and learning the formal aspect of it through NWTC. But I just became absolutely enamored in everything that the NRCS does. And ultimately, I really would like to eventually work for the USDA or the DNR in some sort of conservation route, because that is definitely something that speaks to me. But, you know, for now, right now, like working on the farm, getting our farm up to speed and just going to all those programs are just enough to make my heart happy. So getting a chance to to see what other people are doing is really inspiring. That's such a good resource. And what are some of the conservation practices you've now adopted after your ongoing research? What are some of the programs that you found helpful? Yeah, so we were approved for the CRP. So that's the Conservation conservation Restoration Program. So we enrolled um, 30 of our acres um, into that 15-year program. And then we also just were approved for three pond scrapes. So our farm is quite flat, but uh, there was some historical tiling that was done that's no longer really working properly. So we've got some areas that are really waterlogged. And when we had um, the NRCS folks come out, we looked at that. We looked at wetland restoration. And in the end, we decided that pond scrapes would be the route to go. So we're actually going to be installing three 
one acre size ponds onto the property and we already have a plethora of bird life. I mean, it's been unreal this year, Lisa. I don't know if it's because of the COVID, you know, where people are traveling less and we're just seeing more birds, but I've never seen the amount of like waterfowl and songbirds and different large, like we've got cranes and herons and eagles and all sorts of really amazing birds on the property now. And I don't remember that ever being, so I feel like that's the universe telling us that we went on the right <laughs> trajectory. Other than those two major scale programs, so the CRP and the pond scrapes, the equip programs, um, we are hoping to get approved for CSP as well, which is the conservation stewardship program. And that would enroll the remaining acreage into wildflowers. So um, that would tie up the entire property for us in the way that we feel it would be best for our family and for the land. Sure. Well, that's great. And one step at a time, right? That's all we can do. Um, and you also too are keen on the farm diversification and started a camping or more interesting upscale glamping operation at your place. Can you tell us a little bit about that? How'd the idea come for that? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was doing my traveling, so right before I came back in 2018, I was living in Australia for 18 months and I had seen a lot of glamping there and I was absolutely like just in, enamored with it. I thought it was so cool. I tried to stay a few times. They were always booked out. Um, my friends and I could never like secure a campsite, but we would go and check these places out. And I just became kind of fascinated and obsessed with it. And when I came back home, I kept talking to my mom about it. And I said, you know, we should really do glamping here. I had already been doing, um, some things with Airbnb. I'm very familiar with Airbnb um, over the years for Packer games. I would ramp my house out. And I thought, well, there's got to be some way that we can do this. And then lo and behold, we were reading in one of those farm show magazines, those newspapers about this company called Tenter. And they partner with private landowners and you could sign up for either a backcountry or a signature operate like partnership with them. And they would outfit the entire campsite basically for you if you upgraded to the signature sites with them and they kind of manage that and all the bookings and then as the landowner you get you know the licenses for having a campground and this and that and all the establishment licenses and business licenses but then you kind of have a really rad partnership so that's how we opted to go and it was last summer was super busy for us. It was really great to just see it kind of take off. And we were only open for half the season. Um, this year, we're hoping to be open um, July 1st. We're still kind of navigating everything with um, just the life changes around here. Yeah, I mean, it was just something that I wanted to do glamping. And I ended up finding a company that would partner with it to kind of offset some of the risk involved. And they also have sites all over the country. Um, they do a lot of things with, like I said, private landowners, but also um, state parks. So I just thought it would be a kind of a cool, funky way to partner in with, with another company. And it's worked out great for us. And yeah, we're the only glamping in um, the area. And we only have three sites, but that's perfectly fine. I just, I find it to be kind of a little bit more intimate and more personable that way. And it's just enough for me to manage, which is great. <laughs> Uh, I should have asked you in the beginning, Patty, can you describe what glamping is as a concept? Because I think it's great that we don't have to rough it when we camp anymore and we can see farms from the inside, right? <laughs> yeah. So 
I have always been a fan of camping, like roughing it in a tent on the ground, like loved it, always have. Um, and glamping is having someone like the host have the tents and maybe some beds and the fire pit and all the furnishings that you need already pre-set up and ready for you. So literally you can roll in with your sleeping bags and your overnight bag and call it done. We do offer an upgrade where people can purchase um, professionally cleaned linens from us as well. But um, otherwise, they can just have the basic site, which is everything like the furnishings are all there and they bring all their bedding and their food and beverages. And then whatever they bring on site, they have to take off site with them. Um, different places have different options. Like if you look up lamping, there's some pretty luxurious things out there. We're not quite to that level, um, just because that's not really our our go-to. Um, but I think that it's it's a really nice way of getting people that may not be super buffs on the wilderness and being outside and like, you know, with nature gives them like a softer introduction to camping and just being immersed in nature. And like you said, being on the farm and they can ask us questions. We're super happy to show them around and give them information on what we're doing and, you know, just seeing something that's a little bit different. So it's not like just staying in a national park. It's staying at something that's trying to become something more sustainable and like conservation and action really great all right well thank you so much for sharing patty take care thank you thanks for listening to our in her boots podcast i'm your host lisa kiverest with the moses in her boots project this episode's audio engineer was liam kiverest of techsocket.net the podcast was brought to you by the midwest organic and sustainable education service moses The mission of Moses is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable, organic system of agriculture. For more information on Moses, In Her Boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.